1: Welcome to NFL Trend Zone. We are finishing the season. We are about to week 18, the first of its kind ever in the regular season of the NFL. I am your host, Austin Baker. I am here with Wesley Johnson and Jason Bowen, your usual crew. We're going to go through the NFL topics this week. We're going to talk about the most disappointing team, the most surprising team, most disappointing player, most surprising player, go through some head coaching situations, and then uh, kind of do a tally of how many coaches we think will be terminated. That's on the agenda first. After that, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues to march its way through college bowl season and on to the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code, pretty simple, BLEAV, and you'll receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers that are available. Bet online, where the game starts. We've got an explosive docket tonight of topics from most disappointing stuff, most surprising stuff. Because we, some of us are Vikings fans. One of us is a big Broncos fan. We're going to go over those coaching situations and what have you. That is on the docket. And the first thing I want to talk with these gentlemen tonight is the what is it? The most disappointing team of 2021. And I'm going to go first because I don't want anybody to steal my thunder. Uh, Some of these might. Uh, Mine is the New York Giants. They are four and twelve probably four and 13, maybe, maybe five and 12. And it's not like I thought they were had their ticket punched in FC championship at any point in the off season or year, but they have the roster talent and they've spent the draft capital and the money to be good on offense, pretty serviceable on defense. And this, you know, whenever these new coaches are hired, especially the ones that have a brand new vision, they're young ish that, you know, they're going to go to the promised land and, Not that I bought in, but I thought, all right, this team, that division's kind of crappy. And for the most part, it is, aside from Dallas, that they should make some noise. Uh, The Galladay signing, he played for the Lions for several years, and I I know him somewhat intimately going against the Vikings. And I thought, all right, they got this three-headed monster. Daniel Jones should take a reasonable next step. I've been telling you guys the whole 2021 calendar that Drew Locke and Daniel Jones were in the exact same spot. They had to make their maturation leap. Neither one of them did. Uh, So I think the Giants are a big disappointment and I, I don't know when we get to our coaches firing segment. I don't know if Judge gets another year. It sounds like he probably will, but then he he's, he does things to shoot himself in the foot. But I think based on offensive roster talent that the Giants are the most disappointing team aside from the Browns, because I think that's an easy one. If you guys want to use that one, that's fine. But Wes, I'll start with you. Who's your most disappointing team of 2021?
2: Yeah, I, I had two. The, the Browns obviously are the, the one that, stands out they went from top of their division afc north uh, last year to the bottom of the division this year um, more than likely anyway um i will stay within the nfc east and i will go with the washington football team okay. um they're a team that also came out of the east last year um, they pushed tampa bay to their limit in the playoff uh, the first round of the playoffs And coming back in, uh, they didn't make too many changes. They drafted, you know, well, they picked up a few free agents. I don't think they had many, uh, subtractions from the team, but everything looked good to where they were poised to, um, you know, compete for their division with the Dallas, the Phillies, the, the giants, um, and I, I don't know what happened. I know we've talked about it on this show. The first two, three months of the season, this uh, vaunted defense that carried them last year was non-existent. Um, and surprisingly, like the the game that they're all everything, defensive end Chase Young went out injured uh, from like that game on, the defense started to actually play <laughs> somewhat decently. Uh you know, sands the uh, drubbing in Dallas, but uh, I, I I don't know what happened with this team. Uh, for me, they were the most disappointing, uh, just based on what they had showed the year prior, and it, everything looked like they would be, you know, taking that next step, maybe uh, competing a little bit more than they did.
1: And they, I still maintain, unless they think Heineke can grow into something more at whatever, how old he is. They are the most rudderless team at quarterback because they yeah. don't have a dude waiting. That's my personal thing. Almost every other single team in the business. I think every single team does unless you you know think the Seahawks don't have anything. Cause they're fitting fit the trades. Uh, Russell Wilson, Jason, give me your most disappointing team of the year.
0: Both of those are good. I remember at the beginning of the season when I predicted the, NFC East actually would send three teams to the playoffs. <laughs> Giants being one of those and mm-hmm. and Washington obviously as well and 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 to think Washington was still in the playoff hunt a couple of weeks ago or even last week but uh, yeah my disapp- biggest disappointment um team-wise and this may come as kind of a surprise because they're they're in it and going to the playoffs but the Chargers. Okay. Um, I figured that they'd be better than that. I I figured that they'd be posting at least at least eleven wins. Certainly at least double digit wins. Yeah. And they still, but they they, I mean, after what I the the egg that I saw them lay against Denver um once this year, and just the some of the befuddling losses. And then Herbert looks great some games and some games not. I don't know if it's if they're just being undercoached or what, but um, they'll still get into the playoffs. But I, I think they that, beat the Raiders. They, well, that's true. They mm-hmm. they may not get to the, any given it's, Sunday, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and the Raiders are actually playing better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, uh, <laughs> and it seems like they're playing with a little bit more motivation than 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 uh, the Chargers. I'm not quite sure what exactly their problem is because I mean they just spanked us you know and i get us watching twice a year now granted we did had half our team out due to the COVID thing but um and then another disappointment for me this is actually going to go hand in hand i'm not going to get you know give it away but uh the seahawks i mean man what happened there w- weren't they 12 and 4 last year they were 12 and 4 last year weren't yeah. they
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going mean, to I was going to footnote this conversation to Seahawks, but I was waiting for one of you to do it first.
0: Man, I can't believe what what happened. And granted, Russ was out for three. Was it three weeks? Yeah, But
1: they were shitty before that.
0: They were. Yeah. They were. They were. They were shitty before then, with the exception of the first game of the year. Yeah. Um, And I don't know what happened there. Um, You know, I did. I wasn't expecting them to be world beaters, but I certainly was not expecting this.
1: Yeah. I. So, uh. I will say that for the longest time, they are a top-heavy organization relying on the supremacy of the undeniable supremacy of Russell Wilson. And I don't know that Pete Carroll rode his coattails. I won't say that because Pete Carroll does have a Super Bowl to his name, and he's a darn good football coach. But they, just like the Vikings, refused to get a good offensive line. And Russell Wilson really just kind of LeBron'd them for several years. And it was good enough to be a force, but it's there's a reason they never got back to winning Super Bowls is because they didn't have a complete team. They were relying on the shoulders of what I still consider a top three quarterback based on his body of work. And they're too top heavy. And now it's getting stale. And it's just a big coincidence that last February, he gave a list of teams he wants to be traded to because it just kind of got rotten. And I don't know if Carroll will get fired. We'll get to that in about half hour. Um, But I think that they were too top heavy, not because, you know, Russell's contract is a scourge. It's just that for some reason, they just said, well, we got Russ. We're good. And they were. And now it's time to pay the piper.
0: That's true. And and every year kind of had the same ending, too. They'd start off for about the first nine, ten weeks. They were just <laughs> dominant. Yeah. And then at the end of the year, they'd lose two out of four. You know, mm-hmm. and then they'd start to lose. But their was, record was so good by that point that, you know, they'd still sit there with 11, 12 wins. And this year, it just never. That, that first game, they looked the part. And that was it, though. Usually, it's at least eight games where they look that way.
1: Yep, and, and I think if you did a you know a broad historical examination of this, or wrote a thesis on it, that it probably lies at the foot of the, the death of the Legion of Boom because they they created the Super Bowl when you had just a pretty average version of Russell Wilson who was creeping on a come up. Um, so, I mean, that's that's probably the reason they never got back, but they didn't really try to replicate that outside of a bizarre trade of Jamal Adams. And <laughs> they just got lucky that if the, when Russ was a youngster, they had a legion of boom. They got their their ring and they just said, "We well, think we're good. We'll just ride Russ and he'll do it. And he got he gets close. And I would love to have him on the Vikings if, if they had the scrotum to trade for him. But See, they kind of did the opposite of what Denver did in that Super Bowl. Denver went out
0: and got a defense, and they've been stuck in that defensive mentality the whole time since. Yeah, uh, you know, the Seahawks, you know, they had that great defense, and then they just kind of been stuck in this great offense, quarterbacks by one of the better quarterbacks in the league, making yeah. that possible because, you, to your point, the line was putrid.
1: Yeah, uh, and the thing about Legion of Boom, when when the, when they took it to the Broncos in the 20th 23- 13 season, 2014 season. They were young. Legion of boom was, you know, 25, 26, 27. So it oh, felt yeah. like because Russell was getting good, that their reign of terror, just keep going. And it did, it did in terms of reaching the playoffs, but it was, it never somehow never really got them back. And I think as spectators were, we're all lucky that our other teams got to get a shot because I thought, man, that defense is so good. And Russell's getting so good that it should have been more than one Super Bowl win, but it kind of goes back to the, why the hell does Rogers only have one? It's just, it's, it's, a, it's the fluky stuff of the NFL.
0: Well, and having a superior defense like that too is usually only good for about one Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the Vikings parlayed it into an NFC championship run and one of the best defenses I've ever seen in my life because on on third down that team was not letting you convert and it was just beautiful and it it was good again the following year but it wasn't that good. So, mm-hmm. all right, Wes, give me your most in a good way, your most surprising team of 2021.
2: Yeah, uh, I will go with uh the Las Vegas Raiders mm-hmm. uh for all the turmoil that you know, they've gone through uh they lost their coach uh what five games in, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um they lost one of their starting wide receivers, uh foreshadowing the most disappointing player. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> and airing your be, fantasy beefs on air. No, I mean no. not really.
2: Oh, okay. No, just
1: uh, my fantasy beefs on air. <laughs>
2: It's it's surprising to see them in the position they are they are in they're 9 and 7 uh they have to to win Sunday to get in um but yeah I I didn't see nine wins out of this team especially losing your head coach um, you know a handful of games into the season uh it's not something that typically takes place and um I, I guess it's you know credit to uh, Gruden and Mike Mayock for for building this team to where they're able to maintain and sustain themselves um, amongst everything that's taken place.
1: That was for a coach that kind of was on a lifetime contract, the way that it was kind of sold to us four years ago, yeah. and wasn't going anywhere, and then finally it might have turned the corner, and then boom, uh, he's kind of the subject of NFL sabotage, so to speak. <laughs> Jason, you're most, in a good way, most surprising team of 2021.
0: Um, The most surprising team for me is, uh, it's kind of a toss-up between two. I have the Colts, mm-hmm. not necessarily that I was, that I'm surprised. It, well, and the Dolphins kind of the same way is, is how I'm going to f- phrase this. The Colts, not so much that they're, that they're, you know, there and they're going to make the playoffs, but how they did it and how they started and how Wentz was able to lead this team back really surprised me. I figured that he, if they got down, the pressure was on, I, th- I figured that he would wilt. He didn't do that. And he actually, you know, that team is playing really good football. Um, I said at the beginning of the year, it could have gone either way. And it started the way I kind of thought it would, I didn't expect it to finish the way it did, though. With with that start, now the Dolphins another uh, <laughs> seven wins and seven losses, winning <laughs> streaks, losing streaks. That's incredible. So that that kind of surprised me. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, they kind of figured with the, about uh, finished with about the same record. I figured they would. How they did it—that's what surprised
1: me. Mine. I'm going to try to have it a couple ways here. Cause I, I want to give shout outs to teams that deserve it. Uh, mine is the continued sustainability of the Tennessee Titans. Then the immediate legitimacy of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're here and they look pretty good, even though I've said three times on the show, they're not going all the way, but then I'm going to end up agreeing with Jason. It's the Miami dolphins. And <clears throat> it's more to me than just the win streak, which is incredible. It's that if you are a fan of the dolphins, the coach is doing everything you want to have happen. Last year, came in, laid the foundation. This year, didn't start so hot, getting better, building a defense. Got a little weird with what we're going to do at quarterback because we might trade away our, our prospect and go get the guy who's under suspicion of everything. That was weird. Um, but Tua has started to figure it out. He had a real hot five weeks or so. And so if I was a Dolphin fan, which I am not, I would think this is excellent. This, and this is surprising to me because they showed that they didn't wilt. Like you said, when they got down in the toilet one and seven or whatever. And I think that the, the, the coaching maturation of Flores has surprised me because he was on the hot seat back in October. We're like, well, here's another one's going to need a new coach because this guy sucks. And lo and behold, <laughs> just like we need to do with rookies, we gave him some time and he's starting to figure it out. So now his, His uh, judgment day will be year three. And hopefully, for his sake, they'll be, you know, 10 and seven, 11 and six, and two will mature into a top 12 signal caller or whatever it may be. But they are the most surprising to me because they're growing just like a team should amid a rebuild. And that's exactly what they did and stole everybody's draft picks, mainly that dude in Houston's. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a seven game
0: winning streak is incredible. I don't yeah. even remember yeah. the last time my team has had more than a three gamer.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, <laughs> Uh, The uh, the Vikings had an eight-gamer in 2017. Thank you very much. And it was so weird because Wes can attest to this. Each time, each game, every single week, we're like, is this the week we all come back to Earth here? (laughs) Is this the week Keenum starts playing like the Keenum that we signed up for? And then, no, because of that defense they talked about every week. Um, it got down to like early December and we're buying into it. And it just seemed like every week, it didn't matter who it was. Our defense was going to smother them. So, yeah, the Vikings most notable longest one as of late was eight games. So I'll look at yeah, that. The-
0: that season was awesome for you guys, too. And, and the funniest thing about that season, too, is when it ended against Well, this isn't funny to you guys, <laughs> but when it ended <laughs> in Philadelphia, it started really good. Yeah, I remember. You remember when Keenan just oh, took you, him down the field through that yeah. touchdown pass? I thought. Oh, oh well.
1: we remember it. Trust, trust yeah, me. Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember. Man. I I think I maybe I've just said this on the Vikings show that for the first time in my life as a Vikings fan, in my stomach, and like literally in my stomach, I felt this team's going to Super Bowl when they scored when when Rudolph caught the touchdown in the first drive. I thought, oh my goodness, this is how it feels. <sighs> And sure. it, then, then my stomach was taken from me <laughs> <You know>? and, <laughs> and it was just, no, they didn't score again for eight, nine months. They were done scoring. Oh man. You know, so that was oh. gruesome. All right. A most disappointing player is next on the docket. And I'm going to go with that one first. I don't know if we'll double up here. There's a lot of players to choose from. Mine is Samuel Darnold. He is my most disappointing player because where he was drafted, the amount of surefire talent he was alleged to possess coming out of college, the good head he had on his shoulders, the NFL style quarterback that he was. I hoped for his sake that when he got to Carolina, that he would be, you know, maybe the 16th best dude in the league. And then they continue continued to drag that out of him. And at some point he'd be kind of in a maybe top top 12 or so. But this showed that geographical cures rarely work. And he, at the end of the day is really only in this bottom tier that separates him between these really bad rookies right now with Lawrence Wilson and fields, who all have time to grow, but there's like this, this really strange portion that had Roethlisberger Mayfield and Darnold in it. And that's where Darnold lives. And just based on how infallible I was told he was going to be in the 2018 draft process, uh, He's probably not going to get another big job in this league, chiefly because his rookie contract's running out. Mm -hmm. Or if he does, it'll be in four years. And they're like, yeah, remember Darnold? No, he's awesome. Uh, But he has been the most disappointing player because somebody gave him another shot, and he's bungled it. Jason, who's yours?
0: That's very true there. And early on, it seemed like it was (laughs) going to go the other way, too.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, they had that Broncos schedule. They had Out of the gate, they had three winnable games, and they won them all.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guess he, yeah, he certainly was. I figured he'd uh, capitalize on that second chance given to him. And I, I uh, prior to this year, I thought that um, Carolina had a pretty good offensive coordinator down there too. But clearly, I oh, was,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's clearly head, head, I was, he was <laughs> in head coaching chatter. Yeah, and then that yeah, I mean, got D- fired in Denver. Gun. He was too. So I know. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, you don't want that guy anymore. Yeah, and then <laughs> if, if Darrell was decent, they've got a top five defense down there right now. Yeah, it's like yeah. you don't need much more, homie.
0: He couldn't have gotten yeah. a better opportunity to re- reinvent himself and reprove himself. But mm-hmm. yeah, he like you, your words exactly bungled it. Uh, <laughs> disappointments for me probably Baker Mayfield um, would be one, and then I have to put in DK Metcalf in that one as well. I mean, he had decent numbers, almost got a thousand yards. <laughs> he might still get there, but I was I was expecting much much more for him.
1: But so it kind of goes hand in hand with my uh, Seahawks um, reference earlier. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking he's he's so good, though. This is just a pit stop of change for the Seahawks. And then whoever's quarterback there, I think he's good enough to get back on track.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. He will yeah. be, too. Yeah, no question. And, and yeah, obviously, I can't mention all the players on Denver's roster that <laughs> but we'll, we'll just say that they all got
1: Shermered. We're going to get to that speech. All right, uh, Wes, give me your most disappointing player. Or wait, yeah, most disappointing player.
2: Yeah, uh, I mentioned Henry Ruggs, obviously. um, Um, Humongous. uh, um, Off-field. Drunk driving incident that he had. Um, That's definitely, for me, the most disappointing player. Uh, But ones that actually uh suited up and played for the entire season I will double down with Jason and I will actually go with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um you know he's the little engine that could for Seattle and he didn't do it this year. Uh he had his, his injury to his uh throwing hand to his thumb. Um he rehabbed it. They they showed a Monday night football video of him, you know, do going through his little warm up or workout, um, taking fake snaps, ev- evading pressure, all all this like tomfoolery. And then he comes back the next week and for the rest of the season he he wasn't the same Russ. Even beforehand, um, I I didn't see um the rust that we're used to seeing and whether that's, you know, countless failed draft picks or uh, sending draft picks out for um, a safety that plays in the box. I mean, who, who knows, but (laughs) there, there's definitely something rotten in Seattle. And I just don't know if this team will be good enough going forward to compete in that division um much like Pittsburgh um uh i i think they'll have cap spaces uh coming summer but i know they didn't last year uh they didn't have many draft picks either and you know with Ben retiring i just i don't know what they do what their direction is so you don't trust
1: that organization and Tomlin to stay relevant or
2: it seems like we're going to um, do our, our pro-stealer-anti-stealer thing again. <laughs> no, I, I mean, so Mike Tomlin, 15 years, he hasn't had a losing record. Uh, that you know goes to, to show something. Obviously, he's done a, a solid job coaching, um, but he's also had Big Ben. When they haven't had Big Ben, Mason Rudolph ain't it. <laughs> um, they drafted Najee Harris to run behind, not an awesome off- offensive line the, I think the defense will be there. Uh, they have the components on the defensive end to stay re- somewhat relevant, but offensively, um, I, I don't know what their direction is. They, they have the weapons obviously, um, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryer, chase Claypool. um, it's all going to come down to who they have behind center and then what they can do uh, with that offensive line as well.
1: Jason, you're most surprisingly good player of 2021. You didn't see it coming.
0: Um. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm a complete idiot for saying this one, but Jonathan Taylor yeah. is, is being as good as he is. Oh, I mean, I didn't, I don't remember hearing as much about him last year. Obviously, he was good last year, right? But what I mean, this good?
1: No, they they put him in a committee of running backs. Ah. That's what fooled me Mm -hmm. because the Vikings beat their asses in week two of last year, but they ran that committee of Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. Oh yeah, and that's they, right. Yeah, I just split those, and it was fantasy hell. And you just had to steer away from them, except for bye weeks. And then they decided, hey, this guy doesn't need to be in a committee. And it yeah. was like in a matter of three weeks, it was like boom, we got a we got a new best running back in the world. Yeah, he's
0: he really really impressed me. So I'd have to go. I'd have to go with him. I mean, wow.
1: Yeah, he all of a sudden will be the number one pick in every draft next year, and just hope that he doesn't get snake bitten. Snake bitten by that curse. But yeah, he uh he turned in. Wes can attest to this, the brilliant fantasy football mind. He turned into that McCaffrey like that. A shitty week is 16 points. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you look, you look at your box score and you say, What the hell? Taylor only got me 16 points. And any other running back, you're like, Whoo, at least he got me 16. Yeah. And uh now Taylor has set the bar for himself in like six weeks. He's he's just showed the world that I'm that dude that McCaffrey was. Yeah, not quite the McCaffrey of 2019, but he's been. yeah, and how old is Taylor? 26. No. God, no. Five, Not even 24. that, huh? No, yeah, no. Man. He's, he's got to be. He's the second year in the league. Let me look. Yeah. <laughs> he, what a stud if that's the case. Oh, yeah. He Let's see. 22. 22.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Holy cow. he will be 23 in two weeks from tonight, actually. Man. Oh, yeah. A, so this, so he's,
0: he's got a few more years on his rookie deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. And then he's, I mean, he'll get hurt. Like, hopefully it won't be catastrophic, but every running back gets hurt. And uh yeah, he's so young and so good that the fantasy football players should be able to utilize him for the next six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, Wes, hit me with it. Most surprisingly good 2021 football player.
2: Uh, I will go with somebody who had a come out of no year, come out of nowhere year, um, somebody who you're gonna see all these teams, all these offensive gurus trying to draft a similar prototype of player. Um, that's going to be Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Um, change the game. Change the game. 30 years old, 30 years old. Nobody saw this coming six <laughs> to 220 pounds. Um, his, you see how he was used. Uh, you see how uh, Debo Samuel, who's, Relatively similar, and uh, height and weight was used this year. Uh, I believe that if there is a player that fits that prototype, that you know is going to be somebody that um, these offensive gurus are going to target and want to utilize in a similar way, Uh, much like Percy Harvin, Mm -hmm. um, much like um, take uh, last year with. Taysom Hill, um, you had a uh, few teams in the draft looking for that type of player as well last year. Uh, I think Cordero Patterson is going to be that type of player in this year's draft.
1: Do you put Debo in a different category?
2: Uh, I I put him in the same. Okay. I, I I just don't uh, qualify him as most surprising. No, no,
1: but I meant in the new this this new vein that well is a WRB one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Debo's nowhere near 30, but if, if, yeah, if the game has changed like this based on the resurgence of Cordell Patterson drafted by the Vikings, Rick Spielman, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like a long time ago. That yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. We have this, it's not really a fiery debate, but when, when, when debating the merits of Spielman as a general manager, people tried to tell me, well, he drafted Patterson and that didn't work out. I'm like, dude's going to be in the hall of fame. <laughs> Could you cut yeah. me some slack here? He, he he might not have been the way that you thought. He's not going to be Randy Moss receiving the ball, but he's he's t- with the help of some good coaching, and whatnot. He's turned himself into this weapon. Like every stop of the way, he does something new, yeah. and it's really really cool. Where did he go right after the Vikes? Raiders. Yes. Raiders? He- Raiders and Patriots. Okay.
0: And how effective was he with the Raiders and the Patriots? I don't really remember this this resurgence this year is what I remember.
1: Well, first of all, I don't think the Raiders did much, but then he went to the Patriots and Belichick made him the running back here and there. Then he went, then he went to the bears and they started dinking around with that more. And because it was the bears, we were like, what are you morons doing? And then it turned out that they were right. And then he went to Atlanta who was never going to make the postseason or be a contender. I should say all of a sudden, He's like, yeah, they're like, we'll just use you at running back, you 30-year-old. And he's like, great, I'll thrive. And it's worked.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because in with the Vikes, though, his prominent role was a returner, right? Well, he was, yeah. supposed, oh, to yeah. he was right. supposed to be a
1: wide receiver. Yeah. He was supposed to be
0: a wide receiver, but he had several
1: returns oh, yeah, for yeah. touchdowns. That's what we de- did with them. That's what we debate in the Viking circles is people try to tell me that that was a waste pick. And I'm like, I get it that he didn't turn into Randy Moss, but – he's probably going to be a fringe hall of fame player so you can't tell me the general yeah. manager was a moron because of that yeah he right. saw something
2: i did an article i think right before the season started or right as the season started uh for vikings territory where i had identified like all of rick's kind of mid-round hits mm-hmm. and it didn't necessarily have to be with the vikings yeah the the players were drafted with the vikings it, it's up to the coaching staff Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to fully utilize and get the most out of these players if their next destination that happens that's still the general, the general, manager, general manager saw it mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: yeah uh, yep. same thing with so, daniel carlson yeah yeah people told me like what a, what a bonehead for drafting him in the fifth round and now carlson is a top three kicker yeah like which is huge know. yeah huge. and yeah and if we if no now and in The defense of that camp that was telling me that I was just as pissed on the day that Carlson missed three field goals and said, get him the hell out of here. So, you know, I didn't have the patience (laughs) there and I thought he was damaged goods. And I even thought like, well, he didn't work out. Um, But then it took surprisingly a young man matures and isn't the player that he was on the second day of his career. And he's good now. And the leash that we need to give people sometimes is extraordinary. Oh,
0: I still fucking bitch about having McManus on the team.
1: <laughs>
0: he just kicked a sixty-one yarder. No big deal, but then he misses them. So it's oh, like yeah. every, every miss. Every I think every fan base is like, get that fucking kicker yeah. body.
1: Oh, the worst is on on in Vikings land for rookies. <laughs> oh oh I my bet. god, I, I, there was it was a week two Wes when or yep. week three when. Our first-round pick was hurt with a core injury, so he didn't show up until halfway through the season. None of the rookies had taken any snaps, and somebody semi-prominent tweeted, like, this might be the biggest draft bus class that I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, (laughs) it's week two of the season. (laughs) Like, oh my God, the the audacity to put that out in a public space. Yeah, My most surprising player is kind of an unsung one, is Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, he has taken the Lions receiving core and made it his own, despite quarterbacking that's never really designed to be good. It's well paid. Jared Goff has the same contract Kirk Cousins does, nobody cares. And you can't do anything with Goff's contract either, it's just there. Um but Amon-Ra St. Brown, is, I think he's quietly had about 800 receiving yards on a team that is hungry as hell, not very good, and I'll I'll say the proverbial thing that if Amon-Ra gets a reliable quarterback or after his rookie deal goes to a team like with Herbert, Mahomes or any top 10 quarterback, he's going to be a force. And I think that the draft heads knew that Amon-Ra was going to be good. But from a fantasy football perspective and a real life perspective, he turned into a gem.
2: What what school did he go to?
1: Oh God, <laughs> I knew that. I, I actually thought about holstring this one, and I could go with Mac Jones and make it easy for quarterback wins. Uh, but but no, this <laughs> he, he's too good. And no, your, uh, your squad deserved kudos there. And yeah, and then also on your prediction from last year, sir, about Michael Pittman, you were only one year premature. That dude has blossomed into yeah. what do we say about a top. 13, 14 wide receiver.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of the top, I would say under 25, he's probably top five or six. Um, Also on that last year, uh, you were writing articles and doing fantasy sleepers. Who did I mention last year is one. I was a year premature on that one too. Patterson exactly yeah yeah i remember i remember yeah that would <laughs>
1: I, i'd consult you for advice and you'd always plan them on there and i'd be like well this is some homerism showing through bro because i know he was a viking and he'll be used yeah so we'll put him on there for touches
2: sake <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they kept talking about him as you know the a bears running back somebody there they, w- they want to get involved and in. um what's his name I, I forget the bears running back who has been injured the last Montgomery? No. Um the shiftier oh yeah. Uh the gadget um uh Tarek Cohen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been injured the last two years and so I I figured they'd slot Patterson yeah. right into his role and Obviously the, the bears wound up bearing and yeah, then. I was
1: going to say they did the bears version of it, which is <laughs> yeah, anemic and exactly. tragic. The other uh, bear that we should have put on the most disappointing list is Allen Robinson. His career oh, just yeah, got yeah. real quiet real quick. And I don't know if that's his fault, but he's a wonderful wide receiver and he's been a complete disappearing act and who knows where, where he'll be. he got a big contract. So he's probably, he can't be too mad. All right. So we've spent a lot of time on those. We can't, um, disregard these coaching maladies so let's start i'm going to give you you have a lot of resentments towards pat Shermer, which is going to be tricky for this show because we have fond 2017 vikings memories of Pat Shurmur, <laughs> yep. and we don't do any slander of that man uh but <laughs> but we will hear you out tell me about the broncos first of all is fangio a in to be terminated and second of all tell me about Shermer. and third of all tell me about who they should or who they will hire as head coach
0: yeah, well, I could definitely uh talk about this for a little bit, but before I do, I had a brain fart just for a second. We were talking about Allen Robinson last year. Who was throwing him the ball last year? Who was the Bears quarterback?
1: Trubisky and Trubisky. Trubisky
0: and Foles. Okay, that's right. All right. Yeah, in Denver's case, I don't know for a hundred percent certainty that Fangio is a shoe in to be canned. I'm hoping that he is. Uh, yeah. Obviously, before I go on and on and on about this, I don't wish anybody to lose mm. their job. I mean, that's a you know livelihood, and that's certainly something I would never wish on. Upon Except anybody. for Shermer, We're, yes, <laughs> Shermer <laughs> deserves to be punished. Um, mm. You know, I mean, they're going to hang their hat on Fangio's defense, and uh, they had. You know, I saw a stat roll out in the 16-game season. This defense actually allowed fewer points than the Super Bowl 50 defense did, which is incredible. Their offense actually scored um, less points than they did last year, which is another mind-blowing statistic. Last year, they had a game they played without a quarterback, for cripes sake. And they had four different quarterbacks last year, between Drew Locke, Brandon Allen, and uh, Jeff. Jeff. What was it? Jeff Driscoll. (laughs) I mean, Kendall Hinton actually got that nod too. So that is crazy to me. And this is after another year of growth from all that young talent. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Cortland Sutton and granted he was out last year, but Judy had a full year. And then now Judy went out this year and Fant and Albert O., and you got the rookie and Javante Williams came at busting onto the scene, and Melvin Gordon back there still putting together yards, an offensive line that is coming together under Mike Munchak. And you cannot get those guys going. Mm-hmm. That is crazy to me. I, I don't understand. It's the most frustrating thing I've ever watched in my life. This misuse of so many young offensive skill position players. I've never seen anything like it. How could you bungle it so bad? (laughs) Um, It it shouldn't matter if it's drew lock or Teddy Bridgewater. I think, I think Pat Shermer did both of those quarterbacks an injustice. We will never know, but two years under this guy's tutelage and, that's all Fangio needs to point to. Look, it wasn't me. Look at my defense. Look at that guy. That guy's the one that needs to go. Um, my defensive statistics prove that I deserve another year, but I don't think that they do. They've never been able to come up big when it really mattered. They have never came up with a game winning interception, a block, you know, anything like that. I mean, his stats it's a bend but don't break defense, and they always allow it when they can't afford to allow it. And it's crazy. Um, his stats, you watched it against the, the Browns game. We kind of debated back and forth on that. You said, well, statistically, look at that. They they only allowed 13 points. You saw what they did. <laughs> that running back just ran up and down the field, up and down the field. The game was a lot uglier than what the final stats said it was. Um, yeah, they all need to go. They Special teams coordinator included. Pack them up. Get them out of there. We need somebody in there. That is 45 years of age or younger. <laughs> I, 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 Who's it? Well, there's a couple people that I, that I, that I kind of have my eye. Dayball was one early on. He kind of took a back seat there when, when he decided not to run the ball at all <laughs> for <laughs> three quarters of a game. Uh, but during that stretch, but I'd still, I mean, he's, I, I think he developed Josh Allen pretty good, uh, obviously. Um, I think he would be a good one. Um, I think Kellen Kellen Ma, uh, Moore down in Dallas would be good. If you're gonna go a defensive route, I think Dan Quinn, um, if if pending on who the offensive coordinator is, uh, it ha- I think it has to be an offensive minded coach this year. i um, they tried the defensive route with Vance Joseph, and then again with a more Godfather type and Fangio, who is a very proven commodity, but. You know, I think their defense can afford to be middle of the pack and they need to focus all their resources on the offensive side of the ball. And it
1: should be easy because you have the dudes. And once you figure out if you can trade for Watson, Wilson, or Rogers, because you have the cap space to talk about it, um, it, should, it should be it should be a coaching dream. It, it,
0: yeah, exactly. And even if you don't have a defensive mastermind coaching that group on that side of the ball. You mm-hmm. have the horses there too.
1: Yeah.
0: To where the talent should make up for any kind of coaching de- deficiency as long as it's competent and you can utilize these guys to the best. I mean, Cortland Sutton <laughs> was an extra offensive lineman the other week. Did you see that? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, what in the world? Lining up in a three-point stance, blocking. This is Cortland Sutton that we're talking about. This guy, he he didn't eclipse 30 yards. He hasn't eclipsed 30. Drew Locke got him a pass last week of a like 45 yard pass. I mean, that was the first time I'd seen that in a long time. But nonetheless, prior to that, he hadn't had 30 yards plus in a, in a, in a game since Halloween. Oh, Halloween, Portland Sunday, perfectly healthy. It was with Jerry Judy on the field as well. <laughs> That guy didn't score a single touchdown this year, not one, not
1: one. They are any one of those dudes, if they can swing it, whether Watson comes out clean somehow, Wilson or Rogers, that's all they need, my friend.
0: And then, yeah, well, and, and here's the thing with this, with this all too, I, I'm not even sure how bad Drew Lock is. <laughs> I, I really can't be certain on that because he is, if, if the rest of those guys haven't been used properly. Well certainly neither has Drew Locke. (laughs) So I mean, you get you bring in somebody that's actually developed a a quarterback. Who's to say Locke won't get won't get another chance with one year of cost control under his belt? He's he's still gonna be on the team next year.
1: Yeah, it kind of comes down to Peyton's opinion on that one.
0: Oh yeah, it really does. I I mean, and I'm not by any means advocating for Drew, but it's like I've watched so many, so many games of Denver questioning are these guys even good is jerry (laughs) judy even good well hell yeah he is courtland sutton is damn good too and so is Noah Fant. i mean i see i mean but to not to not be able to utilize those guys appropriately is just mind-blowing to
1: me mind numbing think about uh they have the defensive personnel They have, they have that, they have an offensive line. that Even though you said that your fans criticize it a lot, uh, it's good on paper or top 10 unit, at least PFFs lying to me or something. They're good. And then you've got playmakers out the wazoo. And um, then your only question mark, and we knew this back in August was quarterback. And you were hoping that the, whoever it was, Bridgewater lock would be good enough to get you to 10 and seven or so. And so there's really not a weakness besides and what you say with the coaching staff and then solidifying the quarterback spot. So on these ideal destinations for new head coaches, it's always, that's always why the Broncos and Vikings are at the top because they are ready to be inherited and used on day one. If a coach wants it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's plain absolutely. and simple. So that'll be the pivot, Wes. You're a Vikings extraordinaire. Um, I, I bet you our takes will overlap here. So I'm going to let you start. Um, a, if you predict that the head coach Michael Zimmer will be terminated, and then B, what? Who do you want, and why do you want him?
2: Uh let's see. Yeah, I think. You know, I think it's time Zimmer probably goes. Um, I'll echo what Jason said. I, you know, I don't av- advocate for anybody to lose their job, but I just think uh, maybe his message with the team has, um, you know, reached its uh, full extent. Uh, I, I do know Dalvin Cook came out today and, you know, said he wouldn't rather or. Uh, that he he likes the coaching staff wouldn't want anybody else to coach him uh same with all the players um you know I, to what extent is that all true I, I don't know um could be just some uh upfront gamesmanship uh but for for Zimmer yeah, i i think it is time um he came in as a uh, self-professed defensive back guru. Um, we've since drafted three first round uh, defensive backs and none of them are with the team. Uh, I don't think he was able to get, you know what was needed out of them. Um, 2015, we drafted Trey Wayne's, the first defensive back taken. Uh, I really liked Marcus Peters. I thought he would probably be a better player, uh, better man coverage uh, type of player that Zimmer seems to prefer. Um, they went with Waynes. Waynes never worked out. Uh, granted, Peters had some off-field concerns, but for the most part, he's he's been a, a decent cornerback. Um, 2018, Mike Hughes, he was often injured while with Minnesota uh, we traded him this off season to Kansas city. Uh, he's been playing decent in Kansas city. Uh, and then last year, Jeff Gladney, nobody could have predicted uh, his current legal situation. So uh, we'll leave that as that is. Um, he inherited a second year player in Xavier Rhodes Rhodes had some really good years in Minnesota. Uh, struggled his last year or two in Minnesota and has found a resurgence in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, So I just, I I think it's time. Uh, There's a lot of good that he brought to the team, Um, but I believe the, the league has changed and I don't know if his particular style of defense is um good enough to get it done uh and that can be evident of how his defensive unit has finished the last two years uh in terms of who uh i want or who to slot into his place i really have no idea i, I haven't spent too much time thinking about you know who to put in there um i, I, I would say it's just it's above my pay grade as a fan like, obviously there's some guys that do some cool things or, you know, might be um better than others, but I, I don't wanna hitch my ride to any one coach and then we wind up with somebody different and uh, then I have some, you know, mini resentment or something against the that coach. So I, I'm just I'm along for the ride and uh, I'll get behind whoever's brought yeah, in. I was going to say that's because someone's...
1: no matter who it is, so long as it isn't like John DeFilippo, you're going to you're going to be excited about it. You're going to yeah. find the positive, just like Jason will, unless it's some moron. Like, you're going to get excited about it and convince yourself that this is going to be good. So, yeah, I'm with yeah. you there. Uh, on Zimmer, so I don't know if this audience knows, but I'm a, a staunch Zimmer fan and supporter, and uh, I really thought the last two years would be different than they were, and they were not. And I was wrong. Um, it probably uh, – the, or the, the folks that said that this thing grew stale, they were saying that about this time last year, and arguably right after 2019, they were right, and I was wrong. What I didn't foresee, and this is the reason that Zimmer should move on, is that if you are a defensive coach that can no longer coach a good defense, then it's time to move on and go back to coordinating, try a new head coach gig, or retire. That's my opinion. Um, there's no good reason to have the defensive mastermind when your your defense ranks at the bottom of the league. On top yep. of that, since he is notoriously hands-off on offense and he he hangs his hat on defense, I'm fine with that. that. That's worked. However, when you employ a very expensive pocket passer and year in and year out, you do not afford that pocket passer protection. Every year, the Vikings are in the bottom six of the league in pass protection. Something isn't going right. Somebody's not recognizing that this guy who isn't crazy mobile needs time to sit back there and sling it because if his Cousins has time to fling it or sling it, he's going to do it, and that's the best part of his game. But with the Vikings, he's under siege, and then he takes the heat for not dragging the team to playoffs. He needs to do that. He should be elite, and he's not. He's paid to be elite. That's what I hear every day. And so I, I put the onus on the coaching staff for not – emphasizing the offensive side of the ball only for protecting the quarterback because they've cultivated many great playmakers and Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson now, Stephon Diggs before. And so coupled with the fact that the defensive coach no longer has a good defense, I don't trust him to find it again. And for a decade straight uh, of offensive line, just futility. Yeah, I'd like to have a coach. And if, if the only thing he does good is he finds a good offensive line, then your team's guaranteed to be relevant. Uh, we, we looked at this a couple of times throughout this last year, Wes, with offensive line correlation, that it's, it's like if I am a guy on the couch that just writes a little bit about a football team that knows that offensive line success translates to playoff appearances, why wouldn't I just go do that? And I know it's easier said than done. And I'm not an executive, <laughs> but uh, I hope that the next guy or gal who coaches the Vikings knows how to build an offensive line because it's long overdue. And I'm kind of with you. I have dudes that I think are, are appealing names. Like I think Eric the Enemy would be cool uh, because he deserves a shot and he hasn't had a head coaching gig. He started his professional career with the Vikings and cultivating Adrian Peterson. And uh, he, one of his pupils, so to speak, was Brian McKinney or left tackle that I have another show with. And McKinney always talks about how he was very, very tough, very strict, but, you know, fair. And I think the tutelage from the Andy Reed tree would be kind of neat, but I'm just there with you. And no matter what happens, if it's, you know, some guy, we really don't even know his name yet. I'll be like, oh, this is kind of cool. We'll get down with this. It's just the excitement of starting over. So do you think, so, yeah, okay. so as, as a fan, that I mean, it's mm-hmm.
0: all I do is I watch my team and get so frustrated. <laughs> I mean. And 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 you guys, you guys too. I mean, it. I, I've watched the Vikings play a few times this year, and some games are really good. Um, you know, and and then others though. It's almost like you you know exactly what they're going to do. You 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 know it. We know it. The other team knows it. But why do they keep doing it? Why do why do you think other coordinators and coaches? look at that and, and see the same shit that we see. I mean, what? how much negative impact can a bad coach or a bad coaching staff really have on a team it has to have a lot more, much more than, yeah. and then, but, and then what, uh, I don't know if it was Wes, you brought it up with Dalvin coming out and kind of going to bat for the coaching staff. Yeah. You never see players come out and just lamp bass the coach. Yeah you would think that would happen more because that's got to be frustrating as as players. And unless you're Aaron Rodgers or unless you're Tom Brady, where you don't have to, where you carry way more weight than any coach would, you don't have the luxury of doing that. And like, what would it like if a middle of the road quarterback, like a Kirk cousins or, you know, even a Herbert or any, well, Herbert's going to be great, but, you know, uh, anybody like that just said, you know what, we're not doing this. <laughs> this is, this isn't working anymore. We're done here. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. What would happen to that player? I mean, did the coaches really hold that much weight in the locker room? I wonder.
1: Yeah. They, especially uh, on a a hard nosed one like Zimmer, they, yeah, it's pretty much his way, and I, to an extent, you like that. You like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you that, do. Yeah, but uh, I think you just don't hear many players squawk because they don't want to get a uh, prima donna label stuck on them. And then, uh, I think for the most part, you're you're taught that coaches come and go, and you gotta kind of buy into the to the vision. And Cousins, if Cousins example, he's just not a confrontational human. So he's going to come out and say like, "Well, you know, I pray for Zimmer." I mean, that's the kind of stuff that he would say
2: if he was. But do you think these
0: coaches, though, are so stuck in their own ways that they're incapable of adjusting or doing something different? Like, like Zimmer, uh, Fangio, same way. Doesn't even look at the offense. Doesn't pay any attention to the offense. That's what he brought in Pat Shermer for. So he. He gets asked questions post game pressers about what he what he thought of that. He didn't I don't. I didn't even see it. Didn't even see it. He doesn't even look at offense at all. You yeah. would think that they would.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's like like the clone. It's like the Spider Man meme of Zimmer in, in the Vikings is that. In this case, he's trusting a very young Clint Kubiak to run the ship. And then even when he seems like he steps in Zimmer, you can tell that it's Zimmer stepping in and it's not good because he's not an offensive brain. So, I th- yeah, I, th- I think to answer your question is, is that they have developed a system that they consider battle tested for so long and they can remember it in its peak form. So for Zimmer 2017 or Fangio for probably his 2018 Bears defense, where they're like, it worked. I know it can work. And these guys are going to buy into it. And I can't speak for Schirmer, but uh, I I think that's the mentality is that it's tough to adapt to something like a new strategy and convince your players of it midstream. And maybe that's the new way that these young coaches do it and maximize these quarterbacks. But I I really think it's because a coach has a system and a philosophy and they're convinced that it will work if the players just do what they say.
0: Yeah, no, and I agree with that 100%. Do you think that they're even capable of
1: readjusting their own scheme, not scheme. No, because it's kind of like their calling card. Now I've watched Zimmer change as a head coach. Like he's gotten a lot more aggressive or liberal going forward on fourth down. And, you know, (laughs) <laughs> not leaving points on the board. We used to just kneel it with a minute 30 left in the second quarter and shit like that. So I've watched him change and get with the times, but schematically like changing fundamentally how you, how you run a team like, you know, it's pretty rare because they are convinced like, you know, Doug Peterson, the way that he did things brought him a super bowl and he probably feels vindicated for the rest of his life. And wherever he ends up yes. again, he's going to say, we're going to do it. And, I, and I, I don't know if that's a character flaw. I think it is when when, when you're sitting there five and ten or something like that. But uh, yeah, I yeah, it's tough for them to change, especially the older ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Shermer, you guys like that 2017 season, and that that is the one thing that that's the best season he's ever had. It was, was. coordinator, coach, or anything. And you look at this. I mean, you think he's responsible for two out of his 23 years on that side of the ball? Two. <laughs> Top ten offenses, aside from that 2017 season with the Vikings, um, the, one was under uh, Chip Kelly as a coordinator. Oh yeah,
1: you know, back in like 2011, I think that might have been. But I'll I'll leave you guys with this thought, <laughs> and it's on those same 27 Vikings, and it's kind of an unsung fact. The whole reason that that team was successful and got all the way to the NFC Championship, despite having a mid-tier quarterback, was. On third downs, they were number one in the league in defensive third down percentage. On offense, under Shermer, they were number one in the league in offensive third down conversion percentage. They made plays when it mattered. And they were number one by leaps and bounds, you know, percentage-wise. And when your team is clutch like that and moves the sticks or stops the sticks from being moved, especially on both sides of the ball, you're going to make a run. And somehow that Vikings team did it. Yeah, Mm and that's a big stat right there. It is yeah. we're dead last in that this year. Oh, yeah. Like the yeah, the Vikings this year, 28th in offensive third down conversion. Defense is still good. They're like sixth. And that's the only thing the defense is really good at. But uh with offensive conversion, uh, third down conversion, cousins, Dalvin, all of them. And I really went to the toilet when Thielen got hurt. But uh, yeah, it's it those stats really matter. It's kind of like what Wes and I were preaching about the offensive line, those 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 things that a casual fan would be like, yeah. They really matter, especially mm-hmm. third down. It's when the games are on the line. So for next week, we're going to do exactly what we did last week when we actually have playoff brackets. So I invite you gents to study those. And mm-hmm. as West proved last week, he got to a Super Bowl that he didn't even think he'd get to. He ended up having the Cowboys and the Bills. And it re- these games really come down to matchups now. I guess you can make an argument that ultimately the best team probably gets through, but these are not best of sevens like baseball or hockey or basketball where they can fully adjudicate who the better team is. Sometimes in football, the beauty of it, it's just the proverbial any given Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see if we have the same matchups. I usually have this stupid formula that I run every year and it, it sometimes has gotten me success. I'll probably run that uh, this week leading up to our chat, but yeah, next Wednesday, have your playoff a game on and we'll predict each matchup. Who's it going to be chargers or
2: Raiders? Who's getting there? Uh, I think probably Chargers.
1: I'm going to go with the chargers as well. I think the storybook, little little storybook run of the Raiders will end. Yeah. Jason, who you got chargers or Raiders, a gross game for your watching. Yeah. I'm going to,
0: I'm going to go with the Raiders. I'm going to go with them. And, uh, kind of uh, add a, solidify my uh, prediction with the Chargers being one of the bigger disappointments of the year. I think oh. it ends
1: to the Raiders. Yeah, that will be a disappointment. All right, gentlemen, we'll see you next Wednesday night to talk about the official NFL playoffs. That was good. Have All a good right. rest of your week.
2: Absolutely. Later. Do the same.